and welcome to the podcast. I'm Jeff Spikes, your host, and we are going to get to the point today. And what we're going to get to the point on is really, we're going to talk about designing our strengths from a little bit different angle. And I want to introduce something in the, in the upcoming weeks, one of the things that we're going to touch on a little bit, and I haven't decided quite how we're going to approach it, is we're going to talk a little bit about metaphysics. And where we're going to come up with metaphysics and the angle we're going to take on that is this idea that many of us put so much authority into the medical community, which I, I respect and admire. I just posted something recently about seeing a cardiologist and these great things that happened. And I, I have utilized and worked with doctors and I've considered them part of the team of support that I have in becoming optimal and doing the best I can at getting in shape. So, and not just getting in shape physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like really getting all of my body chemistry right. And I've worked with different doctors, both holistic practitioners, naturopaths, and medical doctors from hospitals like cardiologists. And um, I've worked with psychologists and psychiatrists, and I've just really tried to add anyone to my team that I can to get me where I want to go. So I started to score, I just started to look anywhere I could. And there's a theory for that, right? There's a theory that if you're having, I, I, I fought with some depression and some other things through the years. And something that I've heard from before and that I, I just know is true, I've heard a lot of different leaders say it, but the way I, the way I like to put it across is that if we're fighting with some type of a, a situation where we feel down, and I used to have a friend that came from a really, really traumatic uh, upbringing. And, you know, he said that he called it the shame to exist bind. Like he had this deep bind that where he was just ashamed to exist. And this is a very successful man that was a pilot. And um, the things that he's done in his life, he was very accomplished. But he realized that through, through life as he was growing up that, um, and as he became an adult that he had this at times would come up with this insecurity of just being who he was and that he even existed. And when we have those types of issues come up, which many of us do, or we hit some level of depression, and especially if we hit some type of emotion or attitude or we get dragged down by something and we're having a hard time shaking it, we have an obligation to kind of take any rope that's thrown to us to get pulled out of the, out of the mud right? It's kind of like getting stuck in the mud. I was teaching my daughter how to drive. We're out at Date Creek Ranch and, uh, and she got us stuck in a bog, which is really like shallow quicksand. You know, we weren't getting the truck out of there for anything. And I didn't have, I, I wasn't going to throw away. I wasn't going to throw aside or not consider any help that showed up to get us out of that bog. Now, we needed a backhoe or a big piece of equipment to really pull us out, or we needed some leverage and, a, and some come-alongs or winches or something else. And we did get what we needed, but had anyone come along with an idea, I wouldn't have thrown them aside and said, well, let's not try that. Just, just We're fine. We know what we're doing. And it's kind of the same thing when we're dealing with depression or when we're dealing with any type of, of mental um issues that are holding us back right and when we're talking about being optimal we start talking about i like talking about it as resourceful and unresourceful emotional states so when i hit an unresourceful emotional state and especially if i get stuck there i have a responsibility 
there's an ownness to it for me to accept anything that's thrown my way and at least consider it because it's limiting. It's very limiting to not consider all of my options. Now, the fear is, is I shouldn't consider an option if I'm clear I don't want to do it. Well, if, I have a, if, I, if I'm severely against something, I might not consider it. But by not considering it, I might be closing the door to something else that should I consider that, it might open up something else that I wouldn't otherwise consider. And we get into this chain of events of the idea is just be open as possible. Just open ourselves up to finding a solution and feeling better about what we do. So anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about metaphysics. We're going to talk a little as we go on in the weeks. And this idea that we have more confidence in doctors and the diseases they describe to us and the studies that tell us and the statistics that report to us what people's success ratio is so that we can say, well, most people who get this don't. And doctors inadvertently sometimes implant ideas in us that aren't useful of keeping. So what, what happens is we end up, again, I, I'm not sure throwing any shade towards anywhere. I'm just saying, and, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to try and play take that role. What I'm saying is, is that we don't have to let the ideas we're hearing into our head as a belief. Because what happens is that most doctors will also agree that under optimal conditions, every organ in our body has the ability to heal itself and our cells naturally heal themselves repair, they repair themselves or replace themselves so there's a natural process happening in our body that we have and we have more faith in the disease or the doctor that's reporting to us statistics and facts that they've learned than we do in our own ability in our own body's ability to heal our mind's ability to think better our chemical makeup to sort itself out if we're putting it in an optimal condition so there's a responsibility and an onus if we're falling into a shadow if we're falling into some darkness to consider whatever's being thrown our way that might help us out because typically the universe is throwing some, something at us that we might need to learn about and having some trust and some faith so we're going to go into some of these topics because of that and I also want to talk about the designing your strengths process that we do like this and how that fits in to a lot of this work, because what we're going to talk about today specifically with those things in mind is how we're going to eliminate the need for obstacles. So a question is, is it possible to eliminate? And yes, I said eliminate. Is it possible to eliminate the need for obstacles? Now, you might say, I don't need obstacles. Okay. <laughs> if that's true, we're, in the, we're on the same page. But I'm going to tell you, me believing that I don't need obstacles, I still seem to create them, and sometimes I feel good when I overcome them. So is it possible? The next question is, what if it is possible? I'm not saying it is. I mean, there's no guarantees or promises that obstacles 
can be the need for obstacles can be removed. We can eliminate some obstacles in general. We can make obstacles less important with how we deal with our belief systems and really how we anchor the, our values. But, and what happens when we do that? Because as we go down this road, what we can do as we design strengths, as we design our strengths, and we start practicing a certain way of self-love, of demonstrating self-love and practicing self-love in our life on a daily basis, what happens is, is that we can eliminate the imposter syndrome, at least identify it and not have it affect us when we see, when we sense it and feel it and observe it happening in us. We can significantly reduce or remove the need for burnout. Burnout can kind of fall off the radar, kind of like public, you know, all, all the recent news and events and the doom and gloom of what of what's going to happen. Um, that we hear that you know we can stop participating in the conversations in our minds about all the fear and all the things that could happen, and when and not living in the moment. And another thing is that we can learn to delegate better. And delegating is a sensitive topic sometimes because. You know, this is what we need as high performers. We need, you know, and this is, these are some of the problems we face. But that delegation one's kind of tricky because what I have learned and what I've found or seen or experienced is that if you're having a difficult time delegating, okay, if you're having a challenge delegating tasks, it may be because you are avoiding something or trying to be distracted from something that you're meant to do for yourself in yourself or maybe it's something you're supposed to see for yourself and you just don't want to so when we don't delegate we say oh no i have to do this i find that that's one of my go-tos and every time i catch myself saying oh i no, i need to just jump back in and do it myself if i want it done right i better do it myself if i start catching myself doing those things with things with tasks or or job duties or anything that I could delegate, I could hire out, especially if I'm ignoring or avoiding, if, if it's taking me away from some specific self-care task or something I'm doing for myself that makes me optimal, if it's stealing my meditation time, my visionary, my, in, my visionary time, if it's taking away my reading, my training, my steps, if it's if it's affecting my nutrition, if it's affecting uh, my sleep, any of these things, because now I'm too busy to do something for myself, I'm probably in an avoidance pattern, and now we're talking down the road of now what is procrastination. So we start to unwind this, and we get really simple. Now let's talk about the keys of how to un unwind that. The first thing is, let's just start with this idea of, of consideration that if we believe in ourselves and we believe in our body's ability and we believe in the nature and the innate giftings that we have as individuals, the miracles that we are, that everything works the way it does, if we just start there and that then that we are wired specifically, we are as individuals, as humans, are, are our bodies are put together and wired specifically 
in a way that we self-heal, we self-correct. We, and there's a strive and a desire for more and for better and for improvement, which is why we've consistently improved over, over the years. So, okay, this being said, Today we were talking about self-love. In the Grateful and Fit Now Facebook group, I was talking about self-love. And I want to revisit that for a second because, and I think that's where we're going we're gonna to pull that and bring up a couple other topics and then end there. There's three keys. So there, there's a reason why self-love is important and I'm going to deliver that message here, but there's three keys to practicing self-love, to give us the freedom to practice self-love intentionally so that all of this, so everything that I'm talking about connects. There's a way to get there, right? And really clearly the way to get there is threefold. One is we we have to know where we're starting from. There's a, there's a certain level of ownership that we need to have if we're going to face the truth, right? We need to face the truth, own it, and if, if we're going to get into a place of actually practicing self-love, it's important that we first own where we are and know, and we meet ourselves where we're coming from, right? So if I'm wanting to be, uh, man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on an example, but let's say that I want to be a major league baseball player. It's probably not going to happen. I, I'm not going to start a career. Now, I could be a miracle, and I could, in my 50s, become a Major League Baseball player. I don't think anyone's ever done it at that age. But it probably not, right? Um, <laughs> so it's not a very realistic thing. So, But let's say that I want to become a Major League Baseball player, and I'm in my late 20s. Could I make that happen? Could I do that? Well... If we want to achieve a goal, if we want to get somewhere, we want it to we want to meet ourselves where we are. So as a 50-year-old or in my 50s wanting to become a major league baseball player or being in my late 20s and wanting to become a baseball player or let's now go to being 17 or 16 and wanting to be a major league baseball player, all three of those scenarios are going to look very different. And if you try and meet yourself as a 17-year-old when you're 50 trying to accomplish that goal, it's not going to work. It's not going to work maybe in your 50s. And me just saying that might piss someone off and have them decide they're going to do it and they might break the barrier and do it. So let's see if that'll happen. But if, but for real, if we approach it as a 17-year-old, like we're in our late 20s, it's not going to work. We have to meet ourselves where we are. When I wanted to lose weight and I weighed 300 pounds, my goal was on losing weight. It wasn't just about body composition. It wasn't really, that wasn't, that was there, but I didn't understand it. I didn't have a knowing about what that meant or I would have already been doing it. So I couldn't approach, it wouldn't be helpful to approach trying to do all the things I would to go from being in good shape to amazing shape in just I couldn't have done that from that 300 pounds point I had to start where I was so I said like I said earlier I wanted to see myself as Zeus I had a gray beard I had a beard at the time and I was like I wanted to see myself as Zeus but when I looked in the pictures I looked like Shrek 
and I was devastated, right? So time to change. How did I become this? Okay, so meeting myself where I was was very important. So wherever you are, doesn't matter where I was, doesn't matter what we're doing. What matters is where are we now and looking that in the mirror and deciding, is there anything I want to put in the rear view mirror? What do I want to focus on moving forward and really getting an understanding of where we are? So we want that honesty. It's very difficult for things to work out for us, for the universe to flow and do all those things if we're starting from a platform of, of non-reality. If we're looking at the world or we're looking at ourselves from an unrealistic view of something that's not real, it's an, it's an imagination. I'll give you another example. I thought, I, I thought at, the end, at the beginning of last year, a year ago now, that I was pumping out content and I was launching my business online. I was, had gotten rid of other business interests and I was doing 100% taking all of my coaching and the, and the business I'd been running since 2015 and I was gonna get rid of the consulting part of it and move 100% into having a coaching firm and launching it online. And I thought I was pumping out content and I was doing such a good job. And at the end of the year, I did an inventory and I was putting out really consistent, good content at the end of the year. But in the beginning of the year, when I did the inventory, I thought I was, but I didn't really start posting good content, like consistent content. I'm not going to judge if it was good or not. I'm just going to say consistent amount of content until the third end of the third beginning of the fourth quarter of last year and then it didn't even dial in till near the end of the year and really into this year so i couldn't see that because my effort level for what my my effort to input was intense i had this huge amount of effort for a little bit of input well as i practiced and i got better as I practiced and I got more efficient, as I practiced and I learned new skills and new tools and new things that I could do, and I found easier, easier ways to do things, and I found how, I found the methods and processes of how to put myself into a creative spirit where I could then create differently and write differently, everything started to change and the output changed and then my effort to output started to match. And now my efforts less and my outputs more. So there's still some times that that edges itself, right? It just kind of goes, ooh, but point is we continue moving forward. I had to start where I was. This podcast is a great example. The value I placed in starting this podcast was to start to allow myself to have an imperfect product because what was important was to start. Now I have a baseline. I'm willing to look in the mirror and see that baseline. And without shame, without fear or intimidation or feeling like an imposter or anything else, say, yeah, I put out the, I, I put out a product that I could put out with the tools and resources I had because I was tired of waiting on being perfect. So now, and, and that really fits within how we coach and how we, how we work with clients. There's some things you really want to wait for and have the right timing. And it, everything's about timing. And there's other things that it's important just to start, evaluate where you are based on that start, and then build a plan. So that's what we did with this. So there's a great there's there's a great example of what we're talking about. But so when we so meet yourself where you're at. The second phase of this and the second piece of this 
is to set the absolutely largest goal you can. Okay? And you want the greatest overarching goal that you can find, that you can dream of and think of in the longest time frame. Because, and then you want to take that, you, you want something that's big enough that it expands the ability of your unconscious mind. You want to be able to give so yourself something big enough to keep your unconscious mind busy so it's not distracted, kind of like not delegating, right? It's not distracted with all the little details of life and it allows you to just focus on doing certain behaviors, right? So I wanted to look like Zeus. I was able to take a statue and a picture and say, this is what I want to look like and set that as my overarching goal. Then I got, I really got to look at, will that take a year? Will that take two years? Will that take five years? As long as I know I'm going to get there, does it matter how long it takes? And then I, it did to me. Um, and now I'm learning how to be on the same, not a yo-yo of terrible to okay, but now to be optimal, relax from optimal and build back up to optimal crush. I'll relax from optimal and use that as an opportunity to build. And I'm learning this new cycle. That's a cycle of more health than not. So proven health because doctors have released me from care from, uh, you know, from cardiac care and everything. I was like, there's just miracles happening in my life. And my body's showing up and responding. My mind is showing up and responding in direct in, in a direct proportion to the work I'm doing. That seemed reversed for a minute. You know, there's this part I let my I let myself get in such terrible physical health that there was it didn't seem that way for a minute. I spent a couple of years getting really healthy and then came up with more medical problems and things to work through. Was that mental? Was that physical? Was that just the unwinding of what was happening? I don't know. It's behind me now. But I know the way that I faced it was one where we go back to this idea of removing the need for obstacles. I started, I faced it with where I was at. I went back to now, where am I at? And what's my new reality based on this information? And what do I want to do about it? Right? So there's consistency in how we approach. And we want to approach in the moment. We want to approach on the daily. We don't want to approach in, the, in history and in the future. We want to approach in the daily. But everyone says that. How do we do it? That's what we teach. That's what we practice together. That's what we do in putting these communities together and in having these programs and having a community within the programs is because we do it together and we learn more and we all transform and we lean off of each other's transform transformation and things get really amazing and, and grand, right? They become bigger than they would be if we were just doing it alone. So, okay. So the largest goal we can so that our unconscious and conscious mind are having the conversation that they want themselves. It, that reminds me of another topic I've written down to talk about, which is parts. We're going to do, we're going to do a series and the series might be more than just one. I and mean, we might do an actual series on parts work and what that looks like. Um, so the next thing that we want to do is we set that largest goal is we want to have a plan that goes beyond the point of failure or awareness that we need to start over, right? So we want to build a plan 
that goes well beyond the success we're looking for. Because we want to know what it's going to feel like three months, six months, a year after hitting a major goal. Another reason to have the largest overarching goal we can, because then on the way, we're working through it. As we step through different different phases, there's another goal already built in of something that we want to achieve. So let's just consider that for a minute. And as we step through hitting a goal, going going beyond the goal, and then looking back at what it was like to have achieved the goal now that we've done it, and what's our new routines look like? What does our what what new problems do we have? What new awarenesses have we learned? What have we learned that we get to put in the rearview mirror and not have to repeat and do again? So it's a process. Now the reason, and I'm, this is, we're going to bring this to a, to a wrap on this, the reason we do all that is one simple thing. All that work, right? All of that effort, data, tracking, figuring out what we want, you know, all, all this stuff, boils down to one thing it boils down to bringing everything down to the simple behaviors we get to do on a daily basis that we get to do on a daily basis and we shift our intention on the daily to demonstrating self-love in our lives to ourselves for ourselves we come up with there's a lot of ways that we can do this depending on the processing style of the individual and some other things that we can really anchor this and really make this happen in 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 our lives but what happens when we're able to trust that all of those things are in play is we no longer have to feel a draw to live in the past or the future we have a method and a way of leaning into what we don't want and the and into the history of things you know joe dispenza says that I'm not going to do a perfect quote on it probably, but he says that history, memories, without the emotions and the emotional attachments is where we find wisdom. So I love that quote, man. I, I quote that so much. It's, but that's how, how true is that, right? Our memories without the emotional charge is wisdom because we've been able to then observe and release the emotions from it and it's just now a lesson it's just a memory it's not something we continue to bring into the present with those charged emotions because we've learned how to manage our emotions because we've gotten in all the right physical condition that gives us the best optimal space for all of our part all of our parts to heal our mind to heal our chemicals to properly distribute like all of these things start to happen better and along the way we don't rule out any consideration of something that may need to be a part of our journey we just don't we don't rule out anything because by ruling something out and saying i don't want to do that i'll never do that by not considering something we're limiting ourselves and by not considering it, we're, we're telling ourselves that we don't have a choice. So it's almost a communication between your parts or between for you and your parts, for you and your conscious and unconscious mind to, to, to stand in the confidence of, no, I'm at choice, I could choose that. 
I'm not choosing it because I don't want to or for these reasons. But to eliminate or to just throw something out is to say, oh, I, I, if, if I consider that, I'm not going to have a choice. Otherwise, why not consider it? So we leave everything on the table. And if we're finding the need to eliminate something in that way, let's find out why. We might just be able to eliminate based on a decision. And now we've made a decision based on some evidence, but it was still considered. It wasn't thrown away and not considered. So there's some importance. There's some, some critical importance to how we get there. And when we're stuck doing that, we come back to the same question. What would the world look like if we removed the need for obstacles? What if we could just go right there and not have an obstacle to get there? Sometimes a, a, hidden, a, a hidden gain as to why we might need the obstacle to get there is that we have some attachment that it's going to take some encouragement to get over. So we get in these internal communications and these internal dialogues where it's like, I don't want to let go of that. So we have to have a hurdle to overcome. Say, well, now that I've done this, you're going to have to let go of it. And those are all inner inner dialogues and inner negotiations that happen with ourselves so when we turn to ourselves and when we turn with ourselves and we start demonstrating self-love there's a very important shift that happens so we're working on belief systems we're knowing what our values are we're, we've considered our identity we're going through this whole thing and we're looking at how do i get rid of these problems right how do i get rid of these problems of burnout and imposter syndrome you know how do i really challenge myself to learn to delegate better and really really focus on oh um really focus on what i need to focus on for me and what makes me stronger and better and it's going to affect the bigger picture so when we get into that scenario we really want to we really want to demonstrate love for ourselves on the daily, even when we don't love ourselves. So this is the last part that we get into when it gets into parts. What happens when we choose a practice, when we choose to make those daily behaviors from a perspective of choosing to demonstrate love to ourselves through these behaviors, whether I'm going to the gym, taking a shower, because you start training, you're going to have a new shower routine. I guarantee it. Right? There's a lot of little things that affect. You're going to have a new nutrition routine. So when you are when you pick that day or that's two or three days a week that you're going to cook because you're going to do food prep and really prepare yourself to have it for certain times of cycles that, you know, you really want to hit a goal. You want to really want to hit these targets for, you know, six weeks or three weeks. Well, you're going to, we're going to, you're going to use strategies that are temporary but it's going to change a lot of things about what you're doing. So when we do them from the standpoint of demonstrating self-love, we learn to love ourselves, to demonstrate that love for ourselves in every single emotional state we're in. So one day I'm demonstrating love for myself. I'm telling myself that I'm demonstrating love through my behaviors and my internal talk is, I don't love myself. I'm kind of upset with myself right now. And I get to say, yeah, okay. We're going to demonstrate love to ourselves anyway. So then on the days that I feel like 
Zeus and I'm unstoppable and you know someone might say don't let your head get too big as you're fitting out that door right I mean I just as I'm as I'm feeling so good that I'm overinflated because I'm so excited about something and I'm just woo you know just just hyped up on those days I get to love myself then too I get to love myself in every possible state that I can be in I get to love myself when I'm mellow and it doesn't mean I'll be loving myself in every moment it means I'll be demonstrating it over a course of time that'll change you and you'll be able to walk into a room where you would would have felt the imposter syndrome before because all of us that are high performing all of us that are reaching and striving and trying to move forward end up in situations and circles and rooms and groups of people where we're just not the biggest fish and we're and there's a lot of rooms where we are especially if we're trying to help people and guide people and do other things we might be the best at what we do in the room and everyone's learning from us but then we get into situations where man i'm i'm an infant compared to the people that i'm around and i i start feeling like the imposter heck sometimes i feel like the imposter when i'm in the room where i'm supposed to be the expert those things change as we develop the confidence of loving ourselves in every state because because we demonstrate that love then all of a sudden i'm demonstrating that over time that really becomes something different and the imposter syndrome just isn't the same because i have a level of confidence that when i hear the self-talk i'm pretty easy to say yeah we're gonna love ourselves anyway <laughs> it's gonna be okay we've been here before we felt this way and it wasn't true I wasn't an imposter. I just wasn't the biggest fish in the room. I wa something emotional came up that, whatever. So, but it won't be so dysregulating that we can't just walk right through it and process it. And maybe we won't have the issue at all. What if we never had to feel like an imposter again? Because we were so confident that our behaviors, our daily behaviors, were taking us where we wanted to go. And that does make us the biggest fish in the room. Or maybe that makes all of us in the same room the same size the same ability the same everything maybe that whole need for that hierarchy even goes away so as we get into this a little bit further we're, we're, we're wrapping it right here the other side to demonstrating self-love in is in burnout is is pretty simple <clears throat> we just start treating ourselves better and when we're dealing with our own stuff when we're really managing all of the things that only I can control because I'm the only one that can eat for myself. Someone else can cook for me, but I'm the one who has to eat. Nobody else can train for me. Nobody else can go out and get my steps for me. They, I can't say, hey, go get 200 steps or 2,000 steps and log them for me. Here's my watch. <laughs> go Put my watch on your left arm and go walk the block. I, I the, the numbers look right, but well, come on now. That's not meeting ourselves where we're at, right? So no, none of us are going to do that. My point is we can't, that doesn't work. We have to do our own anywhere where, where we only control it. That's where our energies need to be first. And we learn that when we're demonstrating self-love to ourselves daily, especially when we aim it through those things. So this might be a proving, and I recommend everyone take it for proving, I'm going to end with the Designing Your Strengths book. This is the point. This is the point. When you pick a passion, 
when you pick something you're just extremely passionate about you can absolutely develop your best self you can develop your best self differently when you're working with something you're really passionate about than something you're not so we practice short-term goals based on something that we're feeling really passionate about and and we use different parts of ourselves different strengths different giftings different natural ways of being and we experiment with them in how we try to achieve a goal and the different nuances of different types of goals and different environments that comes in good example of that is trying to travel and maintain certain routines like a visualization or meditation like a certain morning routine that might take you 45 minutes or an hour or 20 minutes or whatever the time frame is sticking to that while traveling when when we have a significant environment change might be threatened so how do we work around that how do we make that happen um nutrition while we're traveling really big deal um so that's where we start to work on different things that are going to happen that just work right um, that when we do them, it just is a natural flow and we get into the nuances of who we are and how to aim a different part of our strengths or a different talent that that's part of that, that just makes it easier. So we learn that there's versions of ways to do things that make things easier and easier. And there's ways to do things around different environments, whether it's a family, a work, a business, um, depending on what the relationship is. So when we're designing, when we design our strengths, when we take the time to, to do these things, if we miss trying to, we're not trying, when we miss developing, learning and understanding what, how are we wired and what is the greatest part of ourselves to move forward, what we're doing is we're maintaining obstacles to, to get it our way. Because man, when we're working in our best self, these things become simpler and easier. And when we're really challenged, the more we've worked on something, the more that we've practiced something, the better off we are. So I've gone way long here. That's where I'm going to end it. Um, I just want to end it on that idea of really thinking about designer strengths. It is an exciting time with the ebook and the classes and some of the additional offers. Um, I, everyone that's here and that's working on it, I'm overjoyed. Um, I'm I'm amazed and humbled by the by the work you're doing and the breakthroughs you're having, and um, the things that you're learning that I'm learning because I watch you learning, and I hope the things that you're learning because you see that I'm still learning. Right? We're all in this together, and we're working on making beautiful these moments that make a difference where. Our presentation meets someone else's perception. You know, projection meets perception. And everything that is meant to be communicated is. So that's the point. Love yourself. And your ability to love everyone else really does expand. So, thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of The Point with me, Jeff Spikes. The greatest compliment you could give me is liking, loving, and sharing this episode with all your friends. So please, if you're on Spotify, iHeart, or iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Make sure to tag me. I love hearing from you, the listeners of this show. 
The links for all my social and iTunes are in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to engage with me in anything related to my coaching, consulting, speaking, or programs, please visit jeffspikes.com for everything you would need to know to engage with me offline. And lastly, thank you for your time, your attention, and your consideration. This is The Point.